leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Hey, security peeps. We are live with another edition of Breaking Into Cybersecurity. I am Renee Small, cybersecurity super recruiter, uh, demystifying cybersecurity careers for the month of October, Cybersecurity Awareness Month. And I am here with my co-host, Chris Folon. Say hi to everybody, Chris. Hey, everyone. Hope you're having a great Friday. Happy Friday to you, too. And our special guest today, Joseph Perry. Say hi to everybody, Joseph. Hello, everyone. And Joseph is amazing. Why? Because he is a master trainer. He's trained over 1.5 million students. Um, through some of our favorite places like Cybrary, and then was a researcher and master trainer at Master Instructor over at Mandiant. So, Joseph, to kick this baby off, I want to know what it is you train these 1.5 million people on. That's a spectacular way to start. So one of the things about cybersecurity that I find genuinely fascinating is how vague the field is. Uh, so if I say I'm going to teach you cybersecurity, I could be talking about Blue teaming, I could be talking about L1SOC analysis. I could be talking about threat intel analysis. There's so many broad places that you can look when you're trying to build your career. So the vast majority of the students I've had across various platforms, mostly Cyber, Udemy, and, and sort of crowdsource platforms like that, um, have been people who are trying to figure out for them specifically what field is going to work out. So I've done tons of intro courses, a lot of tool development courses, and sort of getting started with uh, Kali Linux and that sort of thing. But when it comes to the more in-person, what I would think of as um, interactive courses that I've taught, those are generally focused on red teaming um, with the specific difference between red teaming and pen testing being that red teaming includes things like uh, social engineering, includes things like taking advantage of organizational misconfigurations rather than just looking for flaws in a web app. Uh, I've taught some pen testing as well. That's not really my area as much, but everybody branches out into it eventually, I think. Um, I spend a lot of time on Windows and Linux enterprise scale analysis. So uh, identifying on sort of the larger you know, Fortune 500 scale, how do you perform an incident response and how is that different from uh, an SME or a mom and pop shop trying to do the same thing? Uh, beyond that, a lot of my training has been programming focused. I kind of got my start as a Python programmer. Well, I got my start as an assembly programmer, but nobody believes that. So I just say Python. Um, and, and so a lot of my early trainings were really focused in on programming language. I, I love the distinction between red teaming and pen testing. That's such a such a misconception uh, mm -hmm. these days. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of vagueness within the industry that people um, use terms without truly understanding the definition. Um, threat intelligence is just one example. One, one other example. Of vague term that has so many different meanings. Um, so when it, when it comes to developing new courses, um, 
how do you decide what you're going to train next? That's a very, very good question. So a lot of the times my training has been um, to a greater or lesser extent motivated by, motivated by the organization I'm working with. So I'm creating, oh, this, the echo may be me. Um, one second, I'm going to change my microphone so that I'm not echoing through anymore. Okay, cool. Sorry about that. Thank you all for hearing that. We didn't. Hey, Danielle, she says, happy Friday. Um, and Andrew is the one who made us aware that the mic is on. So there's the echo. So thank you for that, Andrew. Um, yeah, no, everyone, no, feel no, free no. to ask your questions. Um, Joseph, you want to talk now? Yep. Can you hear me okay? Oh, yeah, that's a lot better. Yeah, sounds Excellent. good. Yeah. Marvelous. Anyway, sorry about that. Um, what was the question? I distracted myself with a headphone problem. How, how do you choose um, what yes, courses you. you're going to develop? So, for example, right now I'm working with a couple of organizations who probably won't want to be named yet until the courses come out. Um, but usually the way I go about it is I will just kind of make it known to the companies that I have gotten training from in the past. So like an example of an organization that I reached out to personally is Tutorials Point, uh, one of my absolute favorite websites in the entire world for really, really quick, digestible explanations. I actually still use it for Python programming all the time. What's so the name an organization of it? like that, Sagan? What's the name of it, Joseph? Tutorials Point. Um, Tutorials I'll drop it in the chat for you. Okay. But I, I use, basically what I'll do is I'll find the resources that I personally use and then I'll reach out to them and say, you know, what are you looking for in terms of what is the next step in training in you know the areas that I'm familiar with? Uh, when I'm developing training myself, that's just like, for example, something that I might put on a Cybrary or a Udemy, it's generally going to be whatever weird obsession I've had lately. So a lot of times it's going to be a very, very specific, like currently I'm working on an information warfare class that like one in a thousand people will find interesting, but I'm really enjoying writing it. Um, and so it sort of balances between the two. My own personal projects tend to be whatever the book I'm reading currently is. And then my more popular professional things tend to be motivated by speaking, frankly, someone else's marketing efforts. <laughs> right. So another question is, since this is Cyber Awareness Month mm -hmm. and we are demystifying cybersecurity careers mm -hmm. for our viewers, there may be people, and they, we tend to have a lot of folks who are trying to break into the industry. Mm -hmm. So what I know you said you, you've done a lot of entry-level courses. What would you recommend as um, a really good starting point um, from a person who's trained over 1.5 million people? So this is probably not the most popular advice in the world, but I genuinely believe that if you want to work in cybersecurity, your first job is to read NIST, I think it's 800... Uh, dot three, the NIST cybersecurity workforce framework. It is extremely dry. It is extremely boring. But if you just go through that document, what you'll find is one or two of those jobs is going to jump out at you. Um, almost everything in that document is going to be absolutely miserable to read, but one or two of the roles in that is really going to jump out at you. And the reason for that is because NIST is, they're, they're good at everything, obviously, as an institute of standards and uh, technology, but what they're especially good at is using what I would call common language. And so when you're reading about what is this job, what is this person doing? It's not, you know, secure SIMs against APTs or whatever nonsense we're using for acronyms today. Instead, it's very simply responsible for identifying threats, reporting on threats and analyzing the results of those, of those reports. Uh, and so by having that sort of common language, even though it is, it's government written, it is very dry, I won't pretend otherwise, it will still give you that first step in figuring out what you want to do. From there, it gets a lot easier because of the fact that most of the major training providers are really reliant on this. So you can use, you know, if you say what I'm interested in is, you know, threat intel analyst, the NIST version, 
you can just Google that, or even on the NIST website, actually, you can find they have a, a great training resources page where they have all of their, all of the trainers that they consider to be valuable, all the trainings that they think are, are mapped to the NIST framework. And so that right out of the gate gives you a great start. You know what you're looking for, you know where to look to start out. And it also, to my mind, at least the most important thing is it'll help you find the first community that you want to join. And that's by far the biggest part of any career, but especially in cybersecurity is after you've figured out this is the role I roughly want. This is who I think a good trainer is for that role. The next and most important step is who's already doing this job, who already has this title, and what can I learn from joining their community? Nice. And for um, finding those communities, mm -hmm. do you have any recommendations as to uh, some of the best places to start for, say, someone just coming out of college? Yeah, absolutely. I would say, I, I hate saying this because I try not to use the service, but Twitter is actually a frustratingly excellent resource in cybersecurity. Uh, most of the better red team types, most of the better exploit developers use Twitter to drop their information. Um, I'm a big fan of dark reading. If, you've, if you're not familiar, it's one of the more popular industry publications. The research they publish is, is generally pretty strong, but what's really excellent is they have a lot of um, input from the community. They have lots of guest writers, lots of guest authors, and those people will almost always be there to tell you about what it is they're doing or what their organization is doing. And that's a great place to start out. It's, it's the same advice that, you know, 50 years ago, it would have been read the paper and look for jobs. Today, it's read dark reading and look. Very cool. Now I'm gonna go back a couple of points that you made sure. earlier when Chris talks about red teaming versus pen testing. For the people who don't know what the difference is, sure. can you explain? Because again, we're trying to be trying to demystify. So absolutely. we don't want to be in the yeah, absolutely. That's, a, that's an excellent mission. Um, so I would say very at the most broad level, pen testing is focused on finding vulnerabilities in applications. Uh, penetration. It, it's finding a way to get into your attack surface target. Red teaming is everything. Uh, red teaming is a term that kind of started with the military. And we have red versus blue exercises where one organization pretend or one team pretends to be the bad guys, so to speak, on the other team defends. And so when we're looking at red teaming in the context of cybersecurity, red teaming is full scope offensive uh, testing. So looking at most of the best red teamers I know, for example, actually don't do exploits. So they don't do anything that even looks like pen testing. Instead, they take advantage of misconfigurations or they just, the most successful way for the record to ever get into an organization is just by calling someone and asking for permission. Um, that's what a lot of the better red teamers do. So the delineation between the two is that red teaming is both more and less technical. It's more technical in that you need a broader grasp of the technologies, the tools, the mentalities of the people who made those tools. But pen testing is really focused in on for this tool, you know, are there SQL injection vulnerabilities possible on it? Are there right what where vulnerabilities? Can I pull a buffer overflow off, even though it's a modern web stack? So probably not. Um, but yeah, it's it's sort of the focus is red teaming. It's just much broader in scope. Would you also add that um, red teaming is a mindset that focuses on what the adversary might do, whereas Absolutely. penetration testing is more about finding the technical flaws within any given technology? Yeah, I would say... A, a great illustration of that, if I were to do a pen test on an organization, what I'm probably going to do is I'm going to run, run a Nessus scan, and then I'm going to look at what came back, and then from there, I'm going to dig in and do some more deep technical analysis. That's not what an attacker is going to do if they're good at their job. A successful attacker, a fin group, or an APT, or somebody who really knows the business, they're going to go from, as you mentioned, the red teaming mentality of, 
I have found the one exploit I need. I found the one way in that I need. I don't really care what all of your other vulnerabilities are. I'll look for those later if I need them. But if I can drop a web shell or if I can just call somebody, there's not really any point in me creating more noise. Um, and so it's absolutely right. Red team is more adversarial modeling as opposed to pen testing, which again is very technical in focus. Awesome. So back to our our novices, our you know newbies <laughs> that want to break in. So they go to NIST eight hundred, I think dash fifty three. That's um, that's the one. Yeah. So they read the policy; it's going to be dry. Yes. Um, but throughout there, they will get an understanding of the different types of roles. Yes. And then from that um, from that place, you kind of figure out like, oh, this 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 area looks more interesting to me, or I could never do that, you know. Like, so you kind of focus in on where you should be, um, and then try to get into connect with people, like you said, to get to a community get into a community of the people who are already the experts or who are may not even necessarily be necessarily be experts, but a couple steps ahead of you in this space. I just want to reiterate that that's the. That's very much so. And it's worth noting in the NIST document, you can a little bit cheat if you're not as much of a nerd as me and just skip to the part where it actually has the work role breakout. Um, I think that the beginning of the document is really useful and will give you a lot of background information. But if you're just trying to figure out where to start, you can just kind of skip to the middle and use that. Uh, but those job titles within that document, um, as I mentioned, NIST's website, actually, I'll drop the link for this as well. Um, okay. NIST's website actually includes what they consider the sort of verified trainers, like I mentioned, or the trainers that they regard as um, mapping to their documents. So you can even, so this is like a nice little tip that I didn't realize. So the, they have the verified trainers there. You could just join, you can use pretty much, NIST can be your total jumping off point where you take the train, you find the trainer, who's doing the work, join the whatever community they have going on or kind of like, you know, semi-stalk them. And then yeah. <laughs> and then you have found a place where you pretty much have an, like an automatic mentor because these are the people who are training in the field and they're practitioners too. That is exactly right. Let's see. What a shortcut. That's pretty cool. That's a cool tip. I don't think anybody's yeah. come with a tip like that. Have you heard of that, Chris? Not yet. Uh, not not in connecting A to C that quickly. Right. Right. <laughs> it's always been like steps and steps and steps, but I I love this. I mean, Reginald says hi. Hey, Reginald. Hello, Reginald. All right. So hey. this link is for just the generic NIST page that is that I've been talking about. Okay. Um, and then within that, on their resources, you can find their training providers, their, their verified providers like that. But yeah, it is one of the greatest things about standardizing bodies like NIST is that if you can learn to read through the sort of humdrum, their whole job is just aggregation of data. So when they're looking for, this is what we consider to be well-structured training, they're probably right because they don't make any money off of saying who's better or worse. Their job is just to collect the data and put it out there into the world. Um, one of the, you know, it's it's sort of a, a common pay on, but if you're paying taxes to the government and the government is providing resources like this, you have already paid for this service and you should really be taking advantage of it. Absolutely. I, you know what? It's funny. I always looked at it as the dry document, but you know, I'm going to be sharing that. <laughs> like, like I said, it's not popular advice, but it's the advice I give everyone that asks. But it's a I, shortcut. It's absolutely. a total shortcut. Um, I lost my thought. I was going to ask you. About, oh, 
the the trainings that are like I know you said you talked about the ones that you have done recently. Mm -hmm. So what do you see as like what's upcoming, what's hot, what's popular? Um, I know you said that you have some some companies that you can't discuss right now, but what are you know some of the trends over the yeah, past broadly speaking couple um, years? Yeah. I would say so the biggest trend honestly is that cybersecurity is becoming more what I sort of I'm using this term very loosely, but more professional. Um, so what I'm seeing in terms of the training in cybersecurity is a lot less, this is the specific cert you need today, or this is the exploit you have to know about today. And a lot more, are you familiar with, for example, MITRE's attack framework? Are you familiar with um, the major attack landscape players? Can you name APPs? So less about you know what is today's technical training and much more about how much of a broad view of the threats of the field, so to speak, do you have? Um, so really, I, I mentioned it in passing, and I want to hammer in on it. MITRE's attack framework. MITRE, if you're not familiar, is a really spectacular, fascinating um, research organization. It's a, it is a nonprofit, I believe, company. Um, yeah, but it, it's it is a, primarily. Go ahead. It's a nonprofit. Go ahead. I, I live it, right it, around the corner from here, from MITRE. Yeah, I, I used to live down there, and now that I've moved away, I've forgotten everything about the region. But um, but yeah, so MITRE is is really spectacular for putting out both technical and non-technical resources, and their attack framework. If you're looking for training, is is one of the best places to start. If you're looking for education more than training, is one of the best places to start. Right. Um, MITRE for folks is spelled M-I-T-R-E. We'll put the link in there too. Um, and so we'll, uh, oh. go ahead, Chris. Sorry. I was gonna say, in line with the MITRE recommendations, are there any other foundational skills or body of skills that you would recommend for the novice coming in? That's a very good question. So Speaking sort of from my own experience, I went through, I, I got into cybersecurity through the military. So my original training mostly was through the Joint Cyber Analysis course. Um, and what the Joint Cyber Analysis course was really valuable for wasn't necessarily all of the technical training that went with it, but for a philosophical approach that I've always loved, which is that you will be provided with way too much data all the time. And your job as a student is to learn how to parse that data and look for the valuable pieces within it. Uh, so for that reason, I always recommend an introductory data science course, not necessarily a programming course. Those can be really tough to start out with data science, but learning how to query databases, learning how to know what information is valuable, and more than that, learning how data is arranged. Um, one of the things that we tend to forget pretty often in the cybersecurity world is that all of this is ones and zeros, and somewhere, usually around the, the place where we get, start getting into our, our addressing tables in the kernel, it goes from being human-readable code to just the ones and zeros. And so when you're looking at how can I get started, how can I have foundational or fundamental information, a very broad, very basic understanding of data science is gonna give you more ability to deal with those sorts of tables and more understanding of that low level um, operating process. Cool, Danielle wants to know, do you do anything with Splunk training? There's been a lot of questions around Splunk training recently or just Splunk as a whole from um, people who are more um, entry level, early career. Yeah, so I, I have not done a ton of Splunk training lately. Uh, once upon a time, I did quite a bit of it. I actually, one of my favorite things about Splunk, I, I uh, for a little while, talked to one of their senior engineers um, and, and found out that their entry into security was very slightly accidental. Um, so they are, they're a spectacular data science aggregation organization. They're really, really good at network monitoring. They're really, really good at gathering metadata. And Gartner basically said, hey, if you want to sim, go to Splunk. And Splunk was like, oh, we are a sim. Great, we better make one. 
<laughs> so it's it's the reason actually kind of going back to that data science point splunk is such a valuable tool is because splunk is a data science tool at its heart um, and everything in the modern it world is just data science with a different hat on so i i don't do tons of splunk training these days i'm a huge fan of it i probably because you asked it i'm probably gonna end up doing more soon because i quite like splunk um but yeah it's, it's a fantastic tool and it's not surprising that people are very interested in it right now <laughs> in the same hat or light, um, Elk is another one that started from um, a, a data science data aggregation standpoint and has also been adopted by the community um, as a sim. Somebody wants their, uh, they want a beard like yours. <laughs> that's Ken, that's Ken Underhill. Oh, that's Ken? Of course, yeah. Ken. Well, then you know how to grow the goatee. I stole it from you. Exactly. He's, he's the king of goatees. Okay. So Layman said, what is a good training for someone who wants to break into purple teams? So here we get into a very, actually going back to the concept of demystifying. Um, purple team is a tricky phrase. Purple team is generally not going to be a thing that you break into. Purple team is going to be a thing that you start doing as a result of your other work. Uh, most of the time, the best way to become a purple teamer is to start out as a red teamer, and the second best way is to start out as a blue teamer. But really what, it's what you're looking at is a purple teamer's job is very similar to a threat hunter's job. They are responsible not necessarily for knowing on a day-to-day -day level how to, or they should know it, but they're not responsible on a day-to-day -day level for tuning the sim. They're not responsible for issuing reports all the time. Uh, what you're really responsible for is taking the knowledge and aggregating the knowledge from both an offensive and a defensive perspective into one role. So breaking into it isn't really, it's sort of like asking how you break into getting your PhD. You go to a bunch of college first. Yeah. I was gonna say that the, the definition of a purple team typically is um, where a red team would execute or simulate uh, an adversarial action and ensure that the blue team is able to detect and respond to such action. And if you're not, guide them on the tuning of their equipment or detection methodology so that they can do so in the future. And to do that, you need quite a bit of experience in one <laughs> and or both of those things. <laughs> exactly. You can't just um, but I, I like that analogy of PhD. You know, you gotta go. You gotta go to college for it. You gotta get an undergrad. Probably need a master. You gotta put the time in. Right. Absolutely. Uh, Joe, are are there any specific verticals or um, roles that you see are going to be uh, very popular in the upcoming future, just based on your analysis of the industry? Yeah. So I think I have a personal love for. Um, anything that integrates what I call the human element. So when we're looking at what is going to be the big thing in cybersecurity next, obviously when we talk about verticals, there are going to be major data science changes. Machine learning cache poisoning is a huge problem right now. Um, everybody who wants to write the next big AI is running into the problem that they can't get goods, clean data for it. And so that's there's a bunch of security and sort of um, information protection that gets tied up in that. But if I had to pick one vertical, it is absolutely authentication hands down. Um, and that is because it involves such a human element. So when you're looking at how do we secure our enterprise, you can have all of the encryption you want. You can have all of the whatever crazy network tap you want to put in place that modifies data en route. If your authentication is not properly managed, you're just not a secure organization. And I think a lot more organizations, especially the enterprise level, are starting to realize that. 
Um, they're finally moving from the sort of pseudo two-factor authentication that we've been dealing with for a long time into proper hard token TFA. Um, but I would say authentication is definitely the vertical of most interest right now. Wow. Question. Habibul says, for someone lacking years of experience when looking for jobs, is there any training that can make up for years of experience? Absolutely. Uh, one of the things that I really, really love to reinforce to new professionals is that experience means very little because it is very easy to claim. So when you're looking at how many years do you have in this field, you know, I, I, we mentioned at the start of this that I actually am in the middle of a very mild dispute with several of my early leaders about how long I've actually been in security, uh, mostly because we disagree about when cybersecurity as a field actually started. But when you're trying to find sort of how do I make up for not having the 30 years of experience that this company wants, the answer is very simply that they don't almost ever. The job you're looking for, if it's a 30 or a 20 year experience job, isn't the job that you want to be doing out of the gate anyway. So the training that you're really interested in is going to be the training that gets you into the first job. And that is something that I, I always want to reinforce. And that's kind of what I'm aiming at here is that your training should be focused specifically on where you want to go in your career next. So if you're trying to replace years of experience you don't have, that means you're trying to jump really far ahead of where you are right now. Now, there are always going to be companies that say you need two plus years of experience to get started. If you have been studying cybersecurity long enough to be conversant in it, you probably have the experience they're looking for. Remember that when you're talking about what is your experience in cybersecurity, it does not have to be getting paid to do cybersecurity. If you have experience with hacker challenges, if you've worked with things like bug crowd, if you have done, um, if you've tried to submit, even if you haven't succeeded, if you've tried to submit uh, exploits or, or vulnerabilities, all of these things are absolutely cybersecurity experience. The most important thing to bear in mind whenever you're trying to build your career is not how many years do I need or how many years do I need to justify having or not having? Instead, it is what is the next role I want and how is the stuff that I've worked on in the past relevant to that thing? And those are your years of experience done. Training specifically, I, I've mentioned NIST a bunch of times. I don't want to plug myself too often, but uh, Cyrary does have some pretty spectacular courses that we plug Mr. them all Real the time. Worked on together. Um, and those are absolutely great places to start. One of the things that I really like about Cybrary in particular is how much they integrate labs and sort of hands-on exercises, because that will, I'll tell, say it's from me, but that counts as experience 100%. It just does. And anyone who doesn't think it does probably hasn't worked in cybersecurity. I, I would agree, because even if you're using a lab from Cybrary or you're using a lab that you have at home, um, <laughs> The fact that you can fluently talk to the processes and mm -hmm. the outcomes of such processes in an interview, that's that's the experience that you're looking for. Absolutely. Uh, Ken talks about identity and access management, but I, I wonder if it's, um, I think it was when you were talking about authentication. It, it was, yeah. it was. Yeah. It was, okay. Um, Loyletta says cybersecurity used to be phrased as information security. So that, that kind of gets into the theme of the month. And honestly, what we've talked about a couple of times <laughs> in here, which is the, the, mysti the mysticism that is cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. um, you're absolutely right. In fact, it still is. I think I, I as kind of a, a way to have fun, I change my LinkedIn headline all the time to whatever the current highest Google search trend is for <laughs> what I think is cybersecurity. Um, because it, all of them are the same thing. That's why I very much try to avoid saying, well, you're going to be a red teamer or you're going to be an X or a Y. Instead, it's 
look at these documents, look at these resources, and you tell me what it is that you're trying to turn into. Because information security, cybersecurity, information protection, data protection, data security, they're all the same field. Well, Can you keep my computer from getting hacked? Correct. That's what the I, I would um I, I would get professor professorial on you and say that cybersecurity is a subset of information security because information security also includes the the physical protection of any information whether or not it's in a digital form. Um, Absolutely. And, and I think if if you send people back to NIST. That's when they'll find that actual definition because this is the first one to to separate them. Um, but back to what you're saying um, with the Google, with whatever's trending on Google, that's what most people are searching for anyway. So the mm -hmm. distinction doesn't really and, matter. And exactly, and that's that's the thing is that you run into for for someone new to the field. You're absolutely right. I mean, we could have a frankly a surprisingly interesting conversation. I've had this argument with a lot of old friends about when cybersecurity started or stopped. Um, so for like frame of reference, to my mind, cybersecurity is still a really silly government buzzword, uh, because when I started in information security, cybersecurity was only used by the federal government. That term was only ever used by people in suits who were trying to convince you that they knew what they were talking about and they didn't. And so when I left the Navy, I refused to use the word cybersecurity. I was adamant. I do not work inside. I am an information security professional and that is it. And then someone's like, well, you're not going to get a job as an information security professional. You should probably get into cybersecurity. And it, it, that's what's so fascinating, again, about this field is such a broad place, is that the term that you're using is absolutely going to have a lot of, apologize for that, uh, a lot of justification, a lot of argument. And some of it will genuinely, if you have experience or knowledge in the field, be very useful. It'll help you delineate how you differ from the next threat modeler down the line. Uh, but for someone who's just starting out, if it says security and it's about computers, you're probably on the right foot. <laughs> exactly. Ken talks about being hands-on, having a, and he also said, I heard those Joe and Ken guys have a cool course on Cyberary. You guys Rumor have a course it. together? Rumor has it. Uh, the, intro, has the intro it. to IT and cybersecurity course is, I think, still the most popular course that we work together on. Um, nice. Certainly my favorite course that I've worked on in a very, very long time. Uh, it's an introduction to really broadly speaking, sort of how we envision, or at least envisioned at the time, I think still do, I'd have to retake the course, um, but sort of how we envision the security industry being broken up, including all of the IT roles that honestly work into it. So IT support, I very much view as a frontline security worker. If your job is changing passwords or resetting passwords, you're in the authentication space. That's just, that's how that works. Yeah. Um, and so I would say, yeah, the intro to IT and cybersecurity course, again, not to plug our own work too hard here, but that is uh, not a bad place to start. Yeah, totally. Okay, Habibu wants to know, he says, I'm looking for one to three years of experience. I did research in cyber. I have a master's in cybersecurity. I also have an internship in cybersecurity and do some CTFs and pen testing projects. So that's your experience. Yeah, that's <laughs> absolutely experience. That's, that's, I mean, if you have a master's in cybersecurity and you've been working actively on, on hack the box challenges and things like that as you were working on it, you're probably closer to five plus years of experience, honestly. Now, again, this is where we get into you'll want you you never ever want to lie on a resume. They will find out. But you can also just very clearly say, my experience is doing these kinds of crowdsourced hacking, this sort of uh, community membership or community contribution. That's not just experience. That's what speaking as someone who has been a hiring manager more than once, that's what we're looking for is someone who's a member of the community and actively contributes to it. If you come in and say, I have 10 years of experience, I've been an L1 SOC analyst, I've never spoken to anyone, and the only thing I know for sure is how to work my last SIM, 
yeah, you have experience, but you probably don't have experience that is useful to me. Um, so the experience you're describing there with a master's in the program and internship and CTFs, that is excellent experience and definitely something you want to articulate as professional experience. Perfect. Um, I know Chris has to hop soon, so I'm going to try to get through some of these questions. Um, how to combine, this is from Suleiman, how mm -hmm. to combine data analytics and cybersecurity together, recognizing trends that may cause errors and recommend possible solutions? So that is a really, really good question that is also a little bit broad. So uh, hopefully I can kind of hammer in on the, the key detail here. Um, data analytics, which is to say data science done by people who don't want to deal with building the database themselves, and cybersecurity, which is to say information security done by people who are interested in the word cyber, I guess. Um, how do we take these two really broad fields and how do we combine them to functionally protect data? You know, I've been talking about machine learning is runs into lots of problems with the, the cleanliness of its source data and, and the security of it. So I would say what you want to do is start out from what I call an objective oriented mindset. The very first thing you want to do is for X organization, what is their data science supposed to produce? Does this, is it supposed to produce market resources? Is it supposed to produce um, actionable intelligence on threats? Is it supposed to produce just changes we need to make in our SIM? What is the point of this data? And then from that, you can say, okay, what are the basic tenets? You know, when we talk about like the CIA triad going way back in the day, um, but we would talk about sort of the basic tenets of cybersecurity without trying to get very technical, without trying to say, this is the specific tool and we have to build 50 plugins and use their, using the basic tenets of cybersecurity, making sure that our data is clean, making sure that the integrity, making sure that that data can't be all altered by anyone, but who's supposed to alter it and making sure that we can retrieve that data at will. If you have that, mentality and you know that the purpose of this data is to give us market intel, then protecting it just becomes a simple question of, is it giving us market intel? Is that market intel safe? And if that market intel is potentially creating problems, where would those problems show up? Right. I, 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 in a similar vein as that, I'd also mention that um, intelligence um, is a very similar field that aligns both with data analytics Absolutely. and cybersecurity and combining the two. Cool. Um, Chris, do you have to hop? Do you got to run? Okay. Bye, Chris. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> He's taken off, but I have a couple questions and there's a couple more questions in here and then Thank we'll you. hop too. Um, so, Ken says, still the most popular class. It was the Taylor Swift mentions in the course that did. Fun. I am an unabashed Taylor Swift fanatic. I make no <laughs> apologies for it. If you don't like Taylor Swift, it's because you're wrong. Danielle Goodwin says, if you search cyberspace security instead mm -hmm. of cybersecurity, all one word, for jobs, you see security jobs too. It's actually funny. I, I have... Um, a job alert that's set up on a couple of different sites for cybersecurity, as well as all of the other fields that this is named from week to week. And I actually, about two thirds of the job recommendations I get are as a security guard for retail. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's just one of those weird quirks. You can format your searches and you can format your alerts to avoid that. Um, the truth is it's easier to just set up really broad alerts and just write your email rules to get rid of those junk roles. Uh, it's, it's easier and faster. Funny. Ken says, Chris is off to hack the Pentagon again. Yes, he's gone. He's off. Yes, somebody's got to, right? He has a new job. He's, he's <laughs> like busy now. Um, Habibu says, thanks. Appreciate the feedback. How do you figure out what you can bring to the table 
um, as experience that no one else can bring? Well, I would say ignore everyone else. Um, if you're trying to bring something that no one else can bring, you're going to have a real challenge because somebody already invented the field of cybersecurity. So they can bring that. Um, instead, what you want to focus on is how is it that the experience has shaped me as a professional and why am I not what can I bring that no one else can, but why am I better for this job today than I was two years ago? Because as a hiring manager, again, I'm not really that interested in you competing with whatever you imagine your competition to be. Most of the time, if we're interviewing you, you're one of a handful of people who've made it that far anyway. We know, broadly speaking, what differentiates you from them. What we're interested in is how have you grown and how can we expect you to differentiate from yourself down the line? Um, so when you're trying to figure out what experience to bring, those capture the flag challenges you were talking about, hack the box challenges, internships. Don't try and list those as like, I'm the only person in the world who did these things, but instead list them as when I identified a, a flaw or a lack of knowledge, these are the steps that I took to fix it. I also want to add in there that um, I've hired people just from CTF experience, mm -hmm. just purely from that. I want people to be aware of this. Um, I was working on a role last sp this spring, this past spring, and needed a CTF person, went to the websites, went to the CTF websites, reached out to the people who were, you know, the top who um, ranked towards the top and hired somebody with zero secure, you know, formal job experience. So mm -hmm. it, it is real. It happens. <laughs> and um, I just want everyone to be aware of that. So let's... it's actually, if you've never seen the movie, The Social Network, it's actually a fairly excellent movie. And one of the best parts of the film is a fairly true to life story. Um, pretty popular early computer science days, pretty popular early cybersecurity days. Uh, one of the ways people would get jobs was by going to hacking competitions where they would get really, really drunk and then try and gain access to a system. And that was their whole life experience in cybersecurity. Uh, and those are people that we now think, of, I mean, the Zuckerbergs of the world got their start in, in organizations like that. So awesome. remember that it's, it's about what you can do, not about what you can talk about having done. I love that. That is so, so true. It's about what you can do, not about what you can talk about having done. Um, awesome. I almost want to end on that, but there's so many comments here. Okay. So, uh, oh, Reginald wants to know, and I want to know I, I, a little bit of a spin on this. Um, Reginald says, if you could recommend the best way to go from help desk to security. And I guess my, my follow-up question is what roles do you see or what training do you see as real entry level roles. So like that person that said mm -hmm. they want to get into the purple team, that's the PhD of security. Right. What are some good, I mean, used to be SOC analysts used to be the one. What are some good entry level positions? So SOC analyst to some extent still is, but it's more specific now. So one of the things that you'll run into is SOC analyst is generally broken out into three categories. I talked about them earlier. Um, of those L1 is generally the one that we might think of as like traditional SOC analysis. Um, where your your job is tuning the sim, making sure that your your systems are running properly. From and there, SOC, though, I think. Go ahead. I'm sorry for people who are not aware. SOC stands for Security Operations Center. S O C. Thank you. Um, what I would say, if you're working on a help desk right now, you're already in a tech field or a tech role. If your organization has a cybersecurity team, just ask them. Don't ask to join the team right away, but ask them. Hey. I'm interested in moving into cybersecurity down the line. 
one, if you have any openings, please keep me in mind. Two, what for our company or for our organization, what are our primary cybersecurity needs? Um, so if you're already if you already have a job in the tech world, the best way to pivot to cybersecurity is by finding someone who's already in it and working with them. Uh, it's an extremely mentor-based field. It's it's not really a who you know so much as a who you're willing to get a hold of. But very much, I think, when you're looking at sort of your entry level. Um, going from help desk into cybersecurity, that's the best way to start. Now, entry-level jobs that will actually prepare you for a career in cybersecurity are trickier. Um, I would say, to my mind, one of the easiest is actually web development or um, even full-stack development. Not the very, very senior stuff, obviously, but no one is better at taking down an app than the person who built it. And no one is better at hacking, broadly speaking, than someone who knows how the infrastructure was actually constructed. So uh, network architect, web developer, and... Yes, absolutely. L1 SOC analyst are all really, really great places to start. Okay, cool. Um, and you answered the help desk part? Yes. yes. You said ask somebody, pivot over there, um, which is something that I always tend to say to people who are inside of the organization, the easiest, easiest way to do it. There's a lot of people inside of organizations that always look outside. Mm-hmm. They always, you know, they're looking across the street and you look in your own backyard first. It's Absolutely. so, so valuable. So Joseph's point about, hey, reaching out to those people, how can you help, you know, getting in with that crowd and then learning from them and growing underneath them while you're not officially a security person. I mean, that has come up so many times on this podcast about how people have broken in. It's truly the one of the fastest ways um, and the shortcuts into the field. So uh, let's see. Okay, these other comments are kind of fun. They're just talking yeah. about, uh, I think that's Ken again, <laughs> talking about uh, your course, the effort putting put in into making it look good and the cat memes um, that I guess you have on the courses. Sounds like a lot of fun. Um, was, we, we had a, a ton of fun making that course. It was one of the best <laughs> things about working with Ken. <laughs> Um, and Rick says he likes a lot of Taylor Swift. Most people will say, oh, no, we can't do that. we got to be more professional. And with Ken, I'd be like, oh, let's do this really silly thing. And Ken would be like, what if we added a cat? <laughs> always, always a charming pleasure. Silly and then throw the cat right on top of there. Exactly. <laughs> so awesome. So, folks, this has been wonderful. Joseph, I'm so, so happy you were able to do this. So just hilarious i mean joseph and i have been trying to we've been trying to get you on here since march right yeah it's been it's been the whole pandemic basically a long time so super super happy you were available and could come on and share your expertise um and just talk to the talk to people who are looking to break in so thank you so so much for being here today um and being our guest on breaking into cybersecurity. So thank you. Thank you to all the wonderful comments. And I love this engaged group. You keep me going. Um, we have people this weekend, 31 days of lives for the month of October. So we have um, we have a guest tomorrow, Saturday afternoon at 1 p.m. Eastern and Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern. So we have two people coming on for the weekend and then Mondays with Dan and all next week too. So. Thank you all for being here. Thank you, Joseph, for being an awesome guest. And, um, oh, Joseph, how do we stay in touch with you? Somebody wants to know. That is a phenomenal question. So I have on my LinkedIn, if you have questions for me, you can send to my email address. I'll include that email address here in the chat and you can just send it out. If you have questions about cybersecurity or 
anything else, I'm a professional know-it-all. Feel free to send them to my email address. <laughs> answer quickly. That that email gets hit pretty often, pretty heavily. Um, but I'll answer as quickly as I can. I'm, I'm always happy to talk to folks. Very, very cool. Tons of thank yous are coming in. I'm just going to try to get it from my, um, try to get your email address and post it from the, from the link. Copy. Okay, bear with me while I do this. So yes, everyone's saying appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you folks for being here. You all are awesome. And we will see you. We'll see you next time. And then I will have to keep in touch with Joseph and see what he's up to and what new trainings are out there and, you know, keep you all posted. So Joseph, you're going to come back in a couple of months and keep us abreast of what's happening. This was an absolute pleasure. I, I, most of my day I'm on vacation right now, kind of, uh, as I, I've recently left my last job and I'm interviewing with a couple other, with a couple other places. And, uh, so most of my day is spent like hunting down internet trolls on LinkedIn and reporting them to phishing scams. So this <laughs> is a great break for me. It's been, been a lot of fun. Very, very cool. All righty. Thanks everybody. Here's uh, Joseph's email address. So feel free to reach out and Joseph, we will talk to you soon. Sounds good. All right. Bye everyone. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.